evening. Let's open tonight's service with hymn number 37. Number 37, How Great Thou Art. Let's all stand together. Number 37. <clears throat>
Good evening. We're going to read from Psalm 86, one of my favorite psalms. I think maybe we've read it recently, but um, let's read it again. Psalm 86. <clears throat> A psalm of David. Bow down, bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend unto the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee. O Lord, neither are there any words or works, I'm sorry, like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest Wondrous things, thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, are a God full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me, Give thy strength unto thy servant, and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing Christ to us in this psalm. Thank you for showing us, Lord, that he is the one who has poured out his soul unto thee, and you have given him that token, that sign of his resurrection and received him back into glory that we might have a savior, an advocate seated at thy right hand, whoever lives to make intercession for us. Father, we pray that you would cause your word to be living and effectual in our hearts tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal more of Christ to us that you would cause us, Lord, by your spirit and by your grace to, to bow in worship, to trust Christ for all of our salvation. For surely there are no works like the work which he performed. Father, we pray for Jeff and ask, Lord, that you would um, bless his studies and his preaching this Sunday and that uh, you would give light and 
hope and encouragement to our brethren in St. Pete. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Number 352 from your hardback hymnal. 352. Let's stand together again. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high, hide me, O my Savior, hide, till the storm of life is past. Safe into the haven guide, oh, receive my soul at last. Other refuge have I none, hangs my helpless soul on thee. Leave, ah, leave me not alone, still support and comfort me. All my trust on thee is stayed. All my help from thee I bring. Cover my defenseless head with the shadow of thy wing. Thou, O Christ, art all I want, more than all in thee. the fallen, cheer the faint, heal the sick and lead the blind. Just and holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness. False and full of sin I am. Thou art full of truth and grace. Plenteous grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound, make and keep me pure within. Thou of life the fountain art, freely let me take of thee. Spring thou up within my heart, rise to all eternity. Please be seated. We saw in the psalm that we just read that our God is long-suffering and he reveals himself that way many times in his word. Tonight I'd like to begin with 2 Peter chapter 3 if you'd like to turn with me there in your Bibles, 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at the long-suffering of our God. Aren't you thankful that he is a God who is long-suffering? That word means that he's steadfast, he's patient, he's slow in avenging. He's not hasty to retaliate. Long-suffering is just the opposite of being short-tempered. And uh, I need a God that's long-suffering. <clears throat> Here in our text in Second Peter, uh, chapter 3, at verse 15, the Lord tells us to account, to consider this, account this, um, reckon it to be so, account 
that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. I have four points I would like to make about how it is that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The first one is that his long-suffering in judgment against this world is the salvation of his elect. The second point is that his long-suffering with his children is for their salvation. The third point is that his long-suffering is not eternal suffering. Uh, There will come an end to the long-suffering of God when it comes to the judgment of this world. And the fourth point is that his long-suffering experienced by God's grace and by his spirit will manifest itself as a fruit of the spirit, which we know in Galatians chapter 5 is long-suffering. I want to be long-suffering. I want to be patient. I don't want to be hasty, short-tempered. I don't want to be quick to take things into my into 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 control. Uh, I have enough experience of having done that and know the the bad result that comes as a result of that. May God give us a spirit of long suffering. Um, in Exodus chapter thirty four, when the Lord speaks to Moses on Mount Sinai, he says The scripture says, and the Lord passed before him, before Moses, and the Lord proclaimed his name to Moses. And here's the name that he gave Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Oh, here the Lord is revealing himself to us as a God who is Long suffering. Uh, <clears throat> it is God's long suffering, as we just read in Second Peter chapter three, that is salvation. Uh, why has the Lord not brought His wrath and judgment against this world yet? Well, because they're still some of his elect that have not yet been brought to faith in Christ. And uh, when the last of his children, his lost sheep are found, his lost suffering, his long suffering will end. Scripture tells us, turn back with me just a couple of pages to, uh, to 1 Peter chapter 3 and look with me at verse 20. Peter's using the example of Noah, and he's saying, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved. Why was God long-suffering during the days of Noah? We don't know exactly how long it took Noah to build the ark. Uh, Probably, from what we can tell in the scriptures, near a hundred years. Um, and he was preaching the gospel to that generation. Uh, and he did not bring judgment. The deluge did not come. The, 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 the judgment of God and the destruction of the world did not come until the ark was prepared. So this, Peter's not saying that God was being long-suffering toward the generation of Noah. He was being long-suffering to Noah, <laughs> Until there was a, an ark that would bring salvation to Noah. And so the judgment of God could not come until, until Noah had a safe place uh, to have refuge. Uh, in the same way, the wrath of God could not fall on uh, Sodom until Lot was taken out of the city. So 
The long-suffering of God is the salvation of his people. God is long-suffering right now in pouring out the full fury of his wrath against a rebellious, unbelieving world until the salvation of his elect. We might be tempted to think sometimes, Lord, what are you waiting for? Well, there's what he's waiting for. <laughs> he's waiting for the fulfillment of his purpose. Turn, turn with me to Revelation, just over a few pages from where you are. Revelation chapter, chapter 6. <clears throat> and look with me at verse, at verse 10. Now, these are the saints in glory. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So the saints in glory are, 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 are waiting for the, for the wrath of God. And, uh, and the Lord answers their question in verse 11. And white robes were given unto, unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So it not until the Lord's answering the question of these believers in glory. Uh, Lord, when are you going to bring this rebellion against you to an end? When the last of my elect is brought into my, into my house, then the end will come. Then the end will come. So the long-suffering of God, the, the, the restraining of his judgment and wrath against this world is the salvation of his elect. If the Lord was to, was to destroy this world before... His elect were saved that wouldn't be saved. So the Lord's just saying, I'm, 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 I'm long-suffering, as I was in the days of Noah. <clears throat> one reason, one reason only, there's still lost sheep to be saved. One reason why the Lord hasn't yet returned and, uh, and, and, and brought an end to this whole thing is because those whom the Father has chosen and those whom the Son has redeemed, the Spirit of God has not yet regenerated. <clears throat> this world exists for one reason. Scriptures are clear. It exists for one reason, the salvation of God's people. And the salvation of the Lord, uh, the long-suffering of the Lord in bringing judgment against this world is our salvation. He's not going to lose one of his sheep. <laughs> all of them will be saved. They'll all be brought in. Uh-uh. Why didn't the Lord destroy Israel in the wilderness? Because Joshua and Caleb had to bring the children of God into the promised land. And it wasn't until, until that happened that they, they, that generation would, would die off. Um, why was he long-suffering uh, toward the rebellion of Israel? He, he often punished them, and he often called them a stiff-necked people. Why was he long-suffering for all those years? Well, the Messiah had to come. The Messiah had to come. So the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Without his long-suffering, we would have no hope of being saved. Secondly, his long-suffering toward his elect is their salvation. How God is long-suffering. Many of us were not called by his grace until adult years. Why? The Lord, the Lord should have justly, <laughs> justly, we, we look at our lives before the Lord called us, we think, Lord, why didn't you kill me? Why didn't you, 
You know, there's so many times that, no, the long-suffering of God is your salvation. <laughs> you belong to the Lord, and he, and he, and he uh, held off his wrath and judgment until, until you were brought in faith to Christ. The Lord allowed that thief on the cross to spend his whole life in rebellion against God. He was long-suffering toward that thief. And then the Lord Jesus, hanging there next to him, speaks his truth and compassion and love to him and gives him a word that's uh, more assuring than any other believer that we know of in the scriptures. This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. <laughs> and the Lord was long-suffering all the way to then, wasn't he? That man's salvation, purposed of God, and God was long-suffering toward him to bring glory to Christ and encouragement to God's people. Um, the man who was born blind, uh, the disciples said, Lord, is it because of his sin or because of the sins of his parents? Neither, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. <laughs> I've been long-suffering with him all these years, but now I'm going to, going to show him my mercy. I'm going to show him my grace. The long-suffering of God is salvation. The Lord was long-suffering towards Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus breathing out threatenings, arresting believers, taking them and having them, having them condemned to death. Be, and God was long-suffering toward him. Until that appointed hour, that day in which the Lord had ordained for, to, 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 to reveal himself. <laughs> uh, aren't you thankful that the Lord was long-suffering toward you uh, before that day of, of, of light and life came when the voice spoke from heaven and said, you know, what, what, what did the Lord say to, what did he say to Saul of Tarsus? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecuted. Oh, Lord, what would you have me to do? The long-suffering of God brought Saul. Paul, the apostle Paul, said, I was a, I was a blasphemer. I was an injurious man. I... I, I I was worthy of God's wrath and judgment infinitely times over, and yet the Lord was merciful to me, and he was long-suffering toward me. He had an appointment with God, didn't he? He just didn't know it. <laughs> but the Lord was going to make sure he kept that appointment. And one day, as he was... On the road to Damascus. <clears throat> it is God's goodness and it is God's long suffering that leads us to repentance. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> it's not the, the threatenings of God's wrath that, uh, what is it? What is it that broke? Uh, Saul of Tarsus's heart when the Lord spoke to him from heaven. He, he realized what he had been doing. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I'm, I'm the son of God. And Saul knew right then that it was only by God's long suffering that he had been preserved to that moment. He knew right then that God should have killed him many times over. So it was, it wasn't, the Lord didn't appear to him and make threatenings toward him. The Lord appeared to him and revealed his goodness to him, his long suffering to him. Look, look at uh, Romans chapter two at verse four. Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? It's his love that leads us to repentance. It's his long-suffering. When we hear the gospel and the Lord shows us 
what we're worthy of and what we're deserving of. And we realize that it's only by his goodness and mercy and long-suffering that he's preserved us to that moment to reveal Christ in us. That's the, that's the love of God. Turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. It's the goodness of God that leadeth to repentance. Look what Paul says about himself here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 at verse 15. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Chief. Now look at the next verse. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering. What smote Saul of Tarsus' heart was how God would have, would have put up with him in what he was doing. And Paul saying, my salvation is a pattern for all believers and how God in his long suffering preserved you to that time, that appointed hour when he would be pleased to reveal himself in you. It's his long suffering. And we are brought to see how patient the Lord has been with us in our hearts. Our hearts are broken. <laughs> we're brought to see that he remembers that we're made of dust and he delights in showing mercy and that, that, that he withholds that which we, which we deserve justly, condemnation. We know that it's his long-suffering, it's his goodness, it's his mercy that leadeth to repentance. How many times the Lord told the children of Israel, said, I, it, it doesn't do any good for me to whip you anymore, to beat you. You, you don't repent. It, you, the, the wrath and judgment of God, <laughs> it never brings a man to true repentance. It might curb his behavior for just a little while, but the law doesn't. The law doesn't really, doesn't really change the heart. Only grace does that. It's the long-suffering of God is salvation. It is salvation. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 63. Look at verse 7. I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness towards the house of Israel which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. It is the goodness of God. It is the long suffering of God. It is the love of God that leadeth to repentance. And that's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. His long-suffering in not yet destroying this world with fire is the salvation of his elect that have yet to, been, to be brought to Christ. And our salvation, <laughs> our salvation, when it comes is a result of the fact that God was long-suffering toward us before we believed. So I carried you, I bore you as a, as a, a shepherd would his, his sheep. <laughs> I spoke kindly to you. 
the Lord has no need to, well, you're in Isaiah, turn back with me just a couple of pages to Isaiah chapter 42. He has no need to raise his voice or to threaten his children in order to get them to succumb. <laughs> that's not how the Lord, that's, you know, we, we do that because we're trying to, we're trying to get control of a situation that we feel like we've gotten out of, gotten out of our control, don't we? So we use anger and, and, and threats and all sorts of things in order to try to... The Lord doesn't have to do that. <laughs> look, look, at, look at Isaiah chapter 42 at verse 2. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. He doesn't have to go around making threats in order to get men to, to bow to him. A bruised reed shall he not break. And a smoking flax shall he not quench. There we are. Weak. You know, the, the light's almost out. The, the brokenness and he said, I'm not going to take you and discard you or make things worse for you. I'm going to, I'm going to treat you with loving kindness and gentleness and, and that will cause you. We, we love him because he first loved us, don't we? We don't love him because he's threatened to, to, to condemn us if we don't. We love him because he first loved us. When, uh, when the Lord, the bridegroom in the Song of Solomon, speaks to his bride, uh, what gentleness he uses, <laughs> what kindness he uses in speaking to his, to his bride. He tells her how, he, he speaks to her with tenderness and, and encouragement. And, and when the Lord spoke to his prophet and told him how to preach. He didn't say, you know, beat the sheep. He didn't say threaten them uh, and whip them into shape. I, I've never really understood that style of preaching. He said, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem. Tell them their warfare is accomplished. <laughs> Tell them their iniquity has been pardoned. Tell them they've received of the Lord double for their sin. There's no need for God to raise his voice or threaten us to get us to, to succumb. That never works. All the, all the times of of God's judgment that he exercised on the unbelieving Israel, they never, they never, never repented. When Nathan went to David, God had been long-suffering to David. David had been going nine months at least, hiding his sin having killed Uriah and taken his wife and, and, uh, and Nathan comes to David. He didn't, Nathan didn't have to, to raise his voice to David. He didn't have to stick his finger in his chest and make threats to David. He said, oh, David, don't you see that you're the man? Thou art the man that stole the sheep from his neighbor? And David was broken. <laughs> and David wrote Psalm 51 as a result of that. He, he, he was broken by that. It's love that breaks the heart, isn't it? When the Lord had just told Peter that night, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And now before the cock crows... And after Peter had denied the Lord three times, our Lord comes out. Well, the scripture says his appearance was not of a man. They had beaten him, pulled out his beard, 
flogged him. Uh, he was a he was a bloody mess. I I can only imagine that that his eyes were swollen, and yet he fixes his gaze on Peter. And it wasn't a look of judgment or 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 disappointment or anything anything that would that would shame Peter in that sense. I, it was it was it was a look of affection. It was oh Peter. <laughs> and what does scripture say? And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. He saw in our Lord's eyes a look of compassion and love. And the Lord treats his children the same way today. You know, when we find ourselves in need of God's long suffering, he, he, he speaks with kindness and gentleness and tenderness to us. And he doesn't need to do anything else. <laughs> How oftentimes the disciples were afraid and the Lord would appear to them and say, be not afraid. Why not? Because it is I. That's why you don't need to be afraid. I'm not here to, 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 to hurt you. I'm here to, to save you. <laughs> In 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah was fleeing from Jezebel, he was afraid. And he went to Mount Horeb, which is the mountain of the law, same as Mount Sinai. And he goes up on the mountain and, and the scripture says that God sent a mighty wind so that it broke the rocks and the Lord was not in it. And then the Lord sent an earthquake so that the ground was shaken and the Lord was not in it. And then the Lord sent a fire and the Lord was not in it. All of those things that Elijah may have been, you know, we look for some, some great demonstration of God's power. And how did the Lord speak to Elijah? A still, small voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? Why'd you run back to the law? I was long-suffering. I've been, I've been long-suffering toward you, Elijah. <laughs> And you've, and you've run to the mountain of the law in order to try to find a place of escape. Now, oftentimes you and I do the same thing. And when the Lord speaks, it's a still small voice. And he shows us his mercy and his loving kindness and his long suffering. And the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. It is salvation. Well, my third point is that the long-suffering of God is long, and thank God that it is, but it's not eternal. Uh, there will come a time when all salvation will have been accomplished, and the long-suffering of God will end. For individuals, for churches, for nations, for the world. The Lord has made it clear that, well, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 speaks of the Lord letting, or as the word is, restraining the man of sin. He's restraining the man of sin uh, until the coming of Christ. <laughs> and then he's going to, and then the full fury of God's wrath will come against this world. And the Lord is clear on that. So when we read in, Je in, 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 Reve in Revelation chapter 6, Lord, how long? How long? <laughs> well, until salvation is finished. Until it's completed. And all those that the Father chose and all those for whom Christ died, 
God's long-suffering is going to continue until salvation is accomplished. The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. And my final point is, and every believer wants this spirit, don't we? We, we, It is the spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5 says, and the fruits of the spirit is love and joy and peace and (laughs) long-suffering. Oh, Lord, I want that. I want to be long-suffering. I want to be kind and 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 forgiving, uh, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me. You see, the experience of God's long suffering in our hearts is the means by which the Lord enables us to show some long suffering toward one another. It always works that way. Uh, we're only able to forgive because we've been forgiven. We're only able to love because we've been loved. We're only able to be patient because God's been patient with us. He's been patient with us. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace. That's what I need. I need more grace. (laughs) Every one of us is given grace according to the measure of Christ. One last verse. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. You know the story. The parable that our Lord tells about a king who goes to collect from one of his servants who owes him 10,000 talents and, uh, and the servant's unable to pay and he begs for forgiveness and, and then that servant turns around and insists that his servant pay him a, a, a penance, a, a piddling amount compared to what he owed the king. And here's what the king says to that man in chapter 18. Look at verse uh, 33. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity? That word pity is the word long-suffering. Even as I had pity on thee, I was long-suffering toward you. I was pitiful toward you. I showed you pity. I, I was compassionate toward you. Should you not have been that way to your, to your brother? The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. It is salvation. May God, by his grace be long-suffering toward us and enable us to be that way to one another. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for being long-suffering toward us. We would not be saved except that you are long-suffering. Lord, might we rejoice in that grace, trust in Christ, 
and give us your spirit with all his fruits that we might be long-suffering to one another. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. 290 and the hardback hymn. 290. Shall meet at last. 